You know, title of my message today, uh, coincidentally, and I don't believe in coincidences, God orchestrates things, is growing in the grace and knowledge of the Lord. And, and we see that, you know, God wants us, it's his purpose for us, not just to get saved. I mean, that's great, you have a home in heaven, but the real glory that is brought to his name is when a, a, a life is transformed, when people find freedom from addictions and people find a life that is full and rich and, and they find out that, hey, I'm not just breathing air now, but I'm, I am living a life that I've never dreamed I could live, the life you've always wanted. I'm just telling you that this is what it's all about. This is Christianity. This is a relationship with the living God. This is what the power of Christ can do when we get saved. And Peter says in 2 Peter chapter 3, 17, and that's not, well, maybe it is on your overhead. It says, you already know these things. Peter's telling us, and we read the scriptures many times, things we already know, but we need to be reminded of them and why God wrote them to us. He says, so be on your guard. We need to be on our guard, right? We have an enemy who is out to attack. He roams around like a roaring lion seeking whom he may devour. Now, I love what I heard somebody say once is that he roams around like a roaring lion, that he really is toothless and powerless, but his roar uh, strikes fear in the hearts of some people who don't realize that they have authority over him in Christ. But he roams around trying to strike fear in the hearts of people. But we have the lion of the tribe of Judah the son of the living God, who is the true lion, and he has a full set of teeth. Amen? Amen? And he can devour the enemy. And so, but uh, we're supposed to be on our guard. Uh, you know, Mark and Patricia, you've, you've shot a warning shot across the bow of the enemy today. You spoke out in your testimony, and the enemy doesn't like that. So I'm just telling you, be on your guard. Uh, be on your guard and, and surround yourself and put on the full armor of God to protect yourself in the day of testing. And stand firm against the enemy and then stand firm. You don't flee from him. He flees from us when we stand firm. So just be on your guard. And it says, and when you are on your guard, you won't be carried away by the errors of wicked people and lose your own secure footing. But rather, he says in verse 18, you must. Say must. You must. Must is like, as you heard me say before, a three, like a triangle. A triangle must have three sides. Can't have four, can't have five, can't have eight. It's a three-sided triangle. That's what makes it a triangle. And just like a triangle must have three sides, you must do what? You must grow in the grace and the knowledge of the Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ. Now, that, that shows us that there is freedom when we grow. Mark and Patricia have grown. They've come a long way in the several months that they started coming here. But they, they, they came this far by faith because they grew in their faith, because they made decisions to grow in their faith. You know, uh, the Christian life begins with the new birth. And Mark and Patricia got saved. How many got saved and gave your life to Jesus? How many know that that was only the beginning of a wonderful life? It was the doorway that led to the abundant life, life to the full that Jesus talked about when he said to his disciples that the evil one, the thief, has come not but to steal, to kill, and destroy. But he said, but I have come to give life, and that more abundantly, to give you life to the full, one translation says. A life that you never imagined could exist or be possible. And uh, verse 11 of John chapter 1 says this, that he came to his own people, but even they rejected him. But verse 12 says, but to all, say all, who believed him and accepted him, he gave the right to become the children of God. They are reborn, say reborn. 
not with a physical birth resulting from human passion or plan, but a birth that comes from God. It's by the Holy Spirit, the Holy Ghost. That when we get saved, when we repent of our sins and ask Jesus to come in, the Holy Spirit comes in and causes a rebirth of our spirit. It opens up a way to God. It tears down the wall, the middle wall partition that separated us from the covenants and the promises of God and from his very presence and makes a way that we can access the very throne of God in a time of need. Being born again is a wonderful thing. It's a change of your life. It's a radical reinvention of your life as God always intended it to be. He says in verse 13, they are reborn Not with the physical birth, but with a spiritual birth that comes from God when you repent of your sins. Now, Somebody said, I'm quoting somebody I don't know, but he says, we are to dig our roots down deep into the depths of his word. And we are to reach out into the farthest extremities of his grace, which are higher than the heavens and above and deeper than the ocean depths. But the Apostle Peter also makes it clear that our spiritual growth and our progress as a Christian uh, in, in that life must be a continuous, say continuous, a continuous maturing in grace and an ever-increasing knowledge and understanding of our Lord and Savior Jesus Christ. His ways are past finding out, but it is fun to pursue them and learn them one step at a time. Somebody say Amen. I'm, I'm always, as the deeper I grow with God, the more I understand and find out about his incredible character and his attributes and his love goes so deep. Growing in God's grace is not the accumulation of facts and information. That's what's not, is not what small groups are about. It's not about just learning facts and learning things about the Bible, but it's learning them so that your life can be transformed so that your mind can be washed with the washing of the word and and the cleansing of your mind so that you can think clearly, so you can hear God's voice. You know, grace, again, isn't the accumulation of facts or information, but it's the day-by-day transformation of our life. And as we become increasingly like him in our disposition and our character because we are changing how we used to be by the power of God, He's changing us inwardly. Uh, This only can happen when we're walking in the Spirit. Remember Galatians, Paul said the Galatians, walk in the Spirit so that you will not, so that you will not, so that you will not fulfill the desires of your flesh. Walking in the Spirit will help us to stay free, to walk in freedom, and to enjoy the life that God has for us. Grace conforms us. It changes us. It not only saves us, but it conforms us and changes us. Spiritual growth is an ongoing process of becoming more like our lovely Lord Jesus Christ. It's, there's no end of it. You don't get finished. Uh, when I was a young, uh, reclaimed Christian, just baptized in the Holy Spirit and attending uh, church, and we um, finished the Bible study of the book of Acts, whereby, you know, I, when I got baptized in the Holy Spirit and we we're on to another subject, I think it was the book of John or something like that, I don't remember for sure. But I remember this older Christian that I really admired, and he was a very godly man. And I remember saying to him, hey, you know, Pete, are you going to go to this Bible study? That's pretty exciting. And he says, no, no, I'm not going to go. And I said, why aren't you going? Well, I know all that already. And, and I, my heart just sank. I was so disappointed because I thought, how can you ever get enough? How can you ever get enough? Are you stuffed full? 
that you don't want more of God, that you don't want more? Is, have you read the Word so many times that you can never learn anything new, that the Holy Spirit can't pull back the curtain and reveal a nugget to you that you have read maybe a hundred times before, and for the first time it comes alive and teaches you something that you need to know today, or you'll need it tomorrow to hold on to your freedom? See, we should never tire and say that I've had enough, that I'm full. When you're full, you're lukewarm. And Jesus said to, in Revelation that I'd rather you were hot or cold, but when you're lukewarm, I'll spew you out of my mouth. And so we, we need to fight lukewarmness. Um, you know, fight uh, complacency. Fight being average in your walk with God. And learn to be, we, we are to grow in the knowledge of our Lord Jesus Christ. And this absolutely must be the pinnacle of God's grace that we increase our knowledge of him. And so what's, what does spiritual growth, what, what does it mean? What does spiritual growth mean? Well, Ephesians 4.14, the apostle Paul said when he talked about growing together along with all the saints, he's talking about growing in our knowledge of the Lord. He says we are no longer to be immature like children. In other words, we're supposed to grow up. Have you ever known, and probably you do in this culture uh, that we live in America, there's a lot of uh, adults who are little, or, or little children in, in adult bodies. You know, they're, they, they're, they're living as a child. They don't take life seriously. They just float through life. They, they live uh, on the safety nets of government and, and of, uh, uh, of, of uh, charities uh, from their parents. You know, how many kids are living in their parents' basement, not because they're doing something constructive like actually saving to buy a house or something like that, which maybe is okay, but they're living there because they're too irresponsible to budget their money to live on their own. And in a spiritual sense, there's a lot of Christians who have stopped growing. They have become cold in their spirit, lukewarm in their faith, and, and, and it's a very sad state. But Paul says, no, you know, we are to no longer be immature like children. You know, in order for children to grow up, they naturally grow up as, in, in a physical sense, don't they? Because we all become adults, but it's inwardly have they grown up. Inwardly, as a child of God, have you grown and matured, you know, in your faith? You know, some, some people who know Christ uh, and profess Christ have been a Christian for 20 or 30 years, but they're still in infancy. The Apostle Paul in 1 Corinthians, uh, I believe it's chapter 1, talks about those people. He says, you're still drinking mother's milk when you should be eating meat. You know, you should be teachers by now. Instead, you're just still drinking milk. And what Paul was actually saying was you need to mature, you need to grow up. And, and growing up as a Christian and maturing in your faith is a deliberate, intentional choice. Is that I choose to do this. There's certain things that you change in your lifestyle in order for you to grow in your faith. There's certain things you say yes to and there's certain things you say no to. Remember the Apostle Paul said that when I was a child, you know, I had childish things, childish ways, but when I became a man, I put away childish things. And there's some things we need to just put away. You know, there's more people more concerned and more excited about the next superhero movie that's coming to the theaters than they are about the superhero that saved their soul. The real one. The real one. 
But Paul says, you know, we're not to be immature like children, but we, and, 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 we, and, and if we grow and we mature, then we won't be tossed and blown about by every wind of new teaching. We will not be influenced when people try to trick us with lies so clever that they sound like the truth. And I'm, I'm just telling you, you know, some of us, uh, you know, we need to, ex- uh, to extract ourselves from some of the stuff you read on the Internet. Are you listening at home? This is a good thing for you to watch, okay? Uh, but I want to tell you, there's some things that, you know, there's so many conspiracy theories and so, many, so much nonsense that is out there, politically and spiritually, that we need to be careful what we're seeing. Does it line up with what the Word of God declares is truth? And so oftentimes they're grasping at straws, trying to make it fit like a square peg into a round hole, the round hole of Scripture, and they get a hammer and pound it in there to make it fit, and it doesn't fit. And so we need to be careful about what we're taking in, internally uh, in our faith. We are no longer to be influenced when people try to trick us with lies. And there's a lot of lies out there. There's false teachers out there. I'm going to tell you, you know, what, uh, what, beca- what, what, what growing in grace is not. It's not becoming any more saved than you already are. God will never love you more than he loves you now. His love will never diminish. His, never, his love never fades. When you fail, he loves you just as much as when you succeeded, but he has compassion that he will help you to learn from your mistakes so that you can grow in grace and knowledge and grow out of that habit that so often has you bound. It's not becoming more acceptable to God because you'll never be more acceptable to God than you were when Christ died on the cross and he said it is finished after spilling his blood. Your salvation is complete. It's not becoming more justified than you were at salvation. God sees you through the lens of his son. When he sees you as a believer, you've been cleansed and washed by the power of the blood of the cross and God sees you through the lens of the blood. And you are perfect in his eyes. Bishop J.C. Ryle says, When I speak of growth in grace, I mean increase in the degree, size, strength, vigor, and power of the graces which the Holy Spirit plants in the believer's heart. That he plants them into our heart. God's a farmer. He's a good farmer. And he's a successful farmer if we cultivate the ground of our heart, the soil of our heart, to receive the pure seed of the word, that we can receive it into our heart and allow it to grow by nurturing it and caring for it, by spending time with Jesus and by reading and studying the word of God, by plugging into worship with other believers. You know, it's, it's normal and natural for living things to grow, and a Christian should is a supernatural thing, and supernaturally we should grow. Now, secondly, <clears throat> what are some of the evidences of growth? <clears throat> what does a growing Christian look like? A growing Christian increases in love. And I can't <clears throat> really say enough about this. In the uh, early part of the year, maybe it was late last year, uh, on a Tuesday morning prayer meeting, I'm in here praying and just walking and praying and sitting and, and reading the Scripture, and all of a sudden it was over. Oh, God, what do you want what, what, what is your desire for Calvary Church in the coming year and years? What do you want? And, and, and I saw this. God shows me things in pictures. just kind of this vision of this ocean. It was like a sea. And, and all you could see was water on all sides. And I didn't see any boats or anything. And God says, I, I want 
I want my church to be an ocean of love. That I, I want love. I want you to cultivate love into your hearts. You know, the love, <clears throat> the love of God is sown into our hearts by the Holy Spirit. And Paul said that it's shed abroad by the Holy Ghost from our hearts. And we, when we are filled with God's love and we have an awareness of His presence, we feel the love of God and the pleasure and the favor of God. And, and it's shed abroad in our hearts by the Holy Ghost that when we're around other people, they can't but help but feel and see that there's something different about us. And, and the Word says, when they seek the hope that lies with you, be ready to give an answer. When people are going to say, what makes you different? You know, why are you different than others? You know, I, I saw Mark this morning, and, I, and we were talking uh, before church, and Mark was telling me what, God, what he shared with you. And, and I looked at him, I said, Mark, you look different than when you first came to Calvary. You look different than even a couple months back. You know what looks different about Mark? It's something that's inward is coming to the outside, see. It's the transformation and the, and of, of his insides being renovated and redecorated by God, and it's making its way to the exterior, see. And, and I looked at his. I said, your eyes are clear. I, I, you know, I never realized that your eyes were not clear before, but they're clear. His countenance is, is bright and refreshed. I said, it's Patricia. It's different. They're different. They're different. And, and, and what is it? The love of God. 1 Thessalonians 3.12, Paul says, And may the Lord make your love for one another and for all people grow and overflow just as our love for you overflows. It's not just the people of God we're supposed to love, but it says for all people. Because there's a whole world out there of people who don't know about the love of God. They've never experienced. They don't know what they're missing. They're substituting the love of God for all kinds of other things. And I'll tell you, finding love, you're not going to find it in the backseat of a car doing something that is unseemly and, and ungodly. I'm just telling you, that's, people call that love. That's not love, that's lust. Grow in God's love and you'll be transformed. Verse 13 goes on to say, May He, God, as a result, make your heart strong blameless and holy as you stand before God our Father when the Lord Jesus Christ comes with all of his holy people. In other words, we're going to stand before the Lord. And I don't know about you, I'm not, a, I'm not fearful of God, but I'm reverentially fearful of him. But I want to be ready when he comes. People argue about, was well, Jesus going to return at pre-trib or mid-trib or post-trib or no-trib? You know, and, and there's all kinds of beliefs and they have all their, I believe he's coming pre-trib. And when he comes in the sky... With the voice of God, the shout of the archangel, and the trumpet of God, I'm going to be ready. I'm going to meet him in the air. I'm going to see him as he is, and I'll be like him because I'll see him as he is. Transformed and changed in this life, but made like him when we see him face to face. And it's all because of the love of God. 1 Thessalonians 4, 9 and 10 says, and I don't have the 9 up here, but it says, but don't, you, we don't need to write to you about the importance of loving each other for God himself taught you to love one another. We don't need to tell you to do that because it is supernaturally born in you when Christ saves you. Is that you just, I don't know about you, when I got saved, I loved everybody. And when I got baptized in the Holy Spirit, I loved everybody. I mean, I just want to tell everybody about Jesus. The love of God. Nobody told me to do that. Nobody taught me to do that. You can't learn it. It is born in you by the Spirit of God who is love. God is love. 
Verse 10 says, Indeed, you already show your love for all believers throughout Macedonia. Even so, dear brothers and sisters, we urge you to love them even more. In other words, grow in your love for other believers. Do you know that? You know, you say, oh, I love them. But grow in love. You know what somebody does who loves? They give. And I'm not saying, you know, just give, give, give to people monetarily, but give them your attention, give them your time, give them your, your, your ear, give them encouragement, give them hope, give them the Word of God, pray, and God will give a word. Patricia, I didn't share this this morning, but, uh, you know, that prophetic word this morning was so powerful because it's about God's love, that God loves us. And, and uh, Patricia told me, uh, I don't know, about three or four weeks ago that she said, you know, <laughs> I've been praying for God to speak to me, for God to give me a word. And this morning, a young lady, and she pointed her out to me, and she was crying when she was sharing this. She came over to me, and she gave me a word from the Lord. One of our teenagers. She gave me a word. And, Pastor, it was just so right on. It just, it was, it was just, you know, the Scripture says that a timely word is like apples of gold and settings of silver. Timely word. And God spoke to her by the spirit of prophecy through another vessel who didn't know she was asking for it, but heard the voice of the spirit to say, go show my love to Patricia, this lady that you don't even know. I love being Pentecostal. (laughs) Don't you? (laughs) You know, this young lady didn't come up and say, Pastor, can I have permission to go? No, no. Uh, When the Holy Spirit tells you to go, you go. Okay? Be obedient to share the word of the Lord to that sister who's praying, and unbeknownst to you, praying for the word of the Lord. John chapter 13, 34 and 35 says this, So now I am giving you a new commandment, Jesus is saying, <clears throat> love each other. Just as I, say just as, just as I have loved you, you should love each other. Your love for one another will do what? It'll prove to the world that you are my disciples. It's by your love. And he goes on to say in verse 14 that if we love our brothers and sisters who are believers, this is 1 John chapter 3, 14, uh, if we love our brothers and sisters who are believers, it proves that we have passed from death to life, but a person who has no love is still dead, dead in their sins and their transgressions. It's like, you know, some people make it a little bit difficult to love. Now, I'm just a bundle of love. I'm easy to love, right? Yeah. <clears throat> There's so much of it to love, you know, so much of me to love, you know. But, but, you know, some people, but God didn't say love those who are lovable. He said love as I have loved you, just as I have loved you. How did he love us? He loved us while we were still sinners, Christ died for us. While we were still sinners, he died for us. We're supposed to love people no matter what. And, and I'm just telling you that that's a chore, but by the power of the Holy Spirit working in us, the love of God will be shed abroad in our hearts by the Holy Spirit. Somebody say amen. amen. Paul in 1 Corinthians chapter 13, it's called the love chapter, and I'm going to not read through the whole thing, but <clears throat> um, he says, if I could speak all the languages of earth and of angels but did not love others, I would only be a noisy gong or a clanging cymbal. And if I had the gift of prophecy, and if I understood all of God's secret plans and possessed all knowledge, but if I had such faith, but I that I could move mountains but didn't love others, I'd be nothing. Okay? If I gave everything I have to the poor and even sacrificed my body, I could boast about it. But if I didn't love others, I would have gained nothing. 
Now, so love is the key here. And, and, and Paul, at, at verse 13, he says there's three things that are going to last forever. All these other things are going to pass away. The three things that are going to last forever are faith, hope, and love. And he says the greatest of these is love. <clears throat> My mother was somebody <clears throat> who just loved and everybody loved her. And, and she was somewhat, I'll just say it, kind of irresponsible in how she handled her finances. You know, she would give everything away. And then she'd be in need. And it's like, Mom, you can't give everything away. You got, you know... But, but, you know, she had a lot of flaws, but the one thing, and I re- really fully appreciate this after her death and even the years after, thinking, you know, she used to frustrate the daylights out of me. But, you know, the one thing is she loved. And I thought her reward in heaven is great. And because she just loved. She loved unconditionally. She just loved everybody. I mean, she'd be, <clears throat> take people into her home who were homeless and you know, one person was a little mentally ill, and she just felt sorry for She brought them into her home, and my sisters and brothers said, you can't bring people into your home. You don't know them. And one, one lady was walking along the highway one night, and my brother was on his way back to Warrensburg to go back to college, and he saw this lady walking and talking to herself, and he stopped. And he wasn't even living for the Lord, but he knew, what the, he knew about the Lord. And he stopped and asked her, what's wrong? And her boyfriend had kicked her out of the house and, and threw her out with nothing but the clothes on. She had no money, had nothing, didn't know what to do. She was just in distress and despair. And he says, well, come with me. And he took her to my mom, and my mom took her in. Well, Louise lived with my mom and was discipled, led to the Lord and discipled by my mom for several months, maybe six months. She didn't work, but she did all the housework and cleaned and prepared meals and just lived there. Well, she met a Christian, uh, I don't know, a church or someplace. She met a Christian uh, guy who was a truck driver, and uh, they fell in love, got married, and they moved away. But, you know, that's Louise's story. My mom showed love to somebody she didn't know. And it frustrated my siblings because you don't know if she's crazy. You don't know if she's going to, you know. And my mom was telling me on the phone, I lived 950 miles away in North Dakota. And I said, Mom, it's your house. It's your life. You do whatever you want with it. She was trying to argue with me and trying to get me to. I said, no, it's your house. It's your life. You do whatever you want, whatever God tells you. And that frustrated. And I got calls from my sisters. And they go, what do you tell a mom that for? It's like because it's her house. It's her life. She can do what she wants with it. You know, there's a reward in heaven. But she got an earthly reward just knowing she did the right thing. Love people. Love people. And and growing in grace and knowledge will help us to increase in our faith. Faith comes by hearing and hearing by the Word of God. It'll increase of knowledge. We need to get to know God more. Paul said, you know, of all the things that I have, my greatest desire is to know Him and the power of His resurrection. Lest by any means I may attain to the resurrection of the dead. He said, I press on towards the mark of the high call of God. His greatest desire was knowing Christ. Not all the things that I did, not all of my accomplishments, not all of my education, none of my degrees, but I lay it all aside for the surpassing greatness of knowing Christ and the power of his resurrection. Thirdly, and I'm going to ask the worship team to come back as I'm closing, is what are the ways that God uses, uh, to, uses what are the ways some God uses to help us to grow? What are, how does he facilitate our growth? Well, number one, the word of God. That cannot be underscored. If you're, not, if you're a believer and you're not reading the Word, you're starving your soul to death. You're denying needed nutrition for you to survive and to thrive. And God doesn't want you to just survive by eating one meal a week on Sunday morning. He wants you to daily plug into the Word of God and allow the Spirit of God to speak to your hearts and to transform you by the washing of the water of the Word. Peter said in 1 Peter 2, 2, he says, like newborn babies, you must, there's that word must again, 
You must crave pure spiritual milk so that you will grow in, into a full experience of salvation. He, and he says this, cry out for nourishment. Is God, I'm going to read your word, but feed my soul. Feed me by the word. Teach me. Show me, God. Increase my knowledge so that I know more about you to share with others. He also, and you're not going to like this, but he also helps us to grow through trouble and some bad experiences, some bad experiences. James 1, 2, and 3 says, dear, and we're going through James on Wednesday night in our Bible study. He says, dear brothers and sisters, when troubles of any kind, one translation says various kinds, but as any kind, any trouble of any kind come your way, consider it an opportunity. Motivational speakers sometimes drive me nuts. Oh, it's not a problem, it's an opportunity. Well, that's true. Even though it's irritating. It's like, I'd rather not have the problem, by the way. But, but he says, Peter says, under, under the inspiration, or James says, under the inspiration of the Holy Spirit, consider trouble an opportunity for joy. For you know, you know, okay, we already know this, right? Right? We know that, for you know that when your faith is tested, your endurance or your perseverance or your patience has a chance to grow. And we need to grow in perseverance. We need to hold on with white knuckles sometimes to the truth and the promises of God, especially when we're going through difficulty. And verse 4 says of James chapter 1, 4 says, so let it grow. Don't you love that? So let it grow. This New Living Translation. For when your endurance is fully developed, you will be perfect and complete, needing nothing. You'll be whole. You'll be, what he means is you'll be a whole person. And there's so many believers that walk around that are unwhole. They're not they're not completed yet because they haven't plugged into the Word. They haven't allowed difficulties in their life, help develop their character and develop their faith and deepen their faith. Instead, they see trouble and trials and testings as an enemy, and they don't respond to it correctly by saying, God, what do you want to teach me through this? Instead, they say, God, why did you send this to me? If you really loved me, you wouldn't do that. Don't raise your hands if you've done that. But when we learn to... Let God walk with us through trouble and testing and hurt and loss as he deepens our faith and our walk with him becomes very, very powerful and strong. You know, another way God deepens our faith is through prayer. That is without saying and devotions. Uh, through praise and worship is awesome. My mind was transformed by the, re by the word of God that we sang in worship services when I was younger in the Lord. It's like I learned and I, I found healing for my wounded spirit that was inflicted on me by an abusive father. As I found out that I'm not a screw-up, that I'm not a, a leech, that I'm not a whatever else he called me when he cursed me. But I found out in singing the word of God that I am the righteousness of God in Christ. I'm a brand new creation in him. That I'm created for good works after his image and after his likeness. That he loves me with an everlasting love that will never pass away. I mean, all these things through worship are washing the mind. We're not just singing words from our head, but we're singing from our heart. And it bubbles up and the cleansing of the word cleanses our mind and teaches us a different way to think. I found out God loves me, not because I'm good or when I'm good, but he loves me even when I'm bad. You're not going to learn that if you don't respond correctly to trouble in your life. Instead of cursing your past, why don't you say, God, thank you for it, because it's going to mold me and shape me towards you. 
And here's one. This is powerful. I'm going to close with this. God transforms our life and grows our faith through, excuse me, I got a text. Uh, you hear that buzz? Uh, sorry about that. Uh, he, he, he helps us through fellowship with other believers. I, I love it. Proverbs 27, 17 is often used in men's ministries, but this is true across the board, men and women, boys and girls who love Jesus. As iron sharpens iron, one man sharpens, and this is amplified version, and influences, sharpens and influences another. How? Through discussion. Amplified Bible, through discussion. You know, <clears throat> what does that mean, Pastor? It means through interaction. It means when you talk and share with other believers, when you open up your heart. Uh, and that can happen. Where does that happen? It can happen in small groups where you open up and begin to share, where other people speak into your lives, share the word or a word from the Lord that they believe God is speaking to you. Uh, it, it happens through interaction with people in Bible studies, whether it's Wednesday night or Sunday school. We still have Sunday school. My wife's the adult teacher right now, and she's doing a great job. She's a good teacher. Angie's going to be leading uh, the tabernacle on Tuesday at 1. She's going to do an incredible job. She's a retired minister, uh, ordained minister, I believe, right? And, uh, and she's a happy lady. I love happy people. And so there's opportunities for growth, isn't there? Don and I are having a, the same small group at our house tonight uh, in, in our home. We're going to have the, a home Bible study. And, uh, you know, you can show up there tonight at 6 o'clock, right, Donna, 6 o'clock? She's going to have a, a big uh, uh, pot roast dinner for you when you come. No, no she's not. <clears throat> I, I, I can get the glare. I don't have to look. I can feel it burning into my... You know. <laughs> So in, in order to grow, we need the word and prayer, we need worship and devotion, and we need fellowship and interaction with other believers. What else can I say? Except we need to grow in the grace and knowledge of the Lord. In a new year, it's a time of new beginning. We're still in January. Plug in. Grow in your grace and knowledge. If you're bound up with, with habits, the Holy Spirit anointing can shatter and break those, but you have to want it to happen. So if you don't know Jesus as a Savior, you need to pray and ask Jesus, would you just come into my life? Would you cleanse me from my sins? Would you save me? Would you cause me to be born again? And would you change me and transform me the way Pastor talked about today? And God will hear your prayer, and he will do it. He's no respecter of persons. What he's done for Mark and Patricia and is doing for them, he'll do for you. Somebody say amen. 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 Let's bow for prayer, shall we? Heavenly Father, we thank you for your power and for your anointing, Lord, displayed in this service, for your voice speaking through prophecy and through the word, through the worship, Lord, through the words of worship. Lord, we thank you for the anointing and the power of the Holy Spirit. We feel that anointing that breaks the yoke that is here today, Lord, that, Lord, when we sang that song, you called my name and I ran out of the grave, Lord, it's not just a song, it's a reality. We ran out of the grave. Lord, we don't hang around the tombstones anymore, but Lord, we live life to the full because we choose to grow. We ask your power and your anointing, Lord, on folks who need prayer today. By your power, Lord, send your power, Lord, we pray today in Jesus' name. And I'm going to ask